The Conquest of Bliss, a podcast about finding light in the darkness. And welcome back to the Conquest of Bliss. I am here with the wonderful Dr. G. How are you today, Dr. G? I'm amazing. Thank you for having me. I am very, very excited to talk to you today. Um, so we're going to get started by talking about ACEs. So could you explain what ACEs are for the audience in case they're not sure? Yeah, so ACEs stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. There was a study done in the, um, I think it was the 80s, maybe the early 90s, um, and they kind of came up with 10 ACEs. There's some other ones that have now been added, but um, essentially they fall into three different buckets of uh, neglect, abuse, and then some uh, family you know, makeup and things like that. So uh, we can run through all 10 of them or I can just you know, continue the conversation and yeah. Um, I would love to learn about the uh, the 10 of them. I love learning okay. on my show. She's like, I <laughs> love learning, I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, yeah, definitely. So um, I'll pull them up because I hate missing them. So I want to make sure that I get all of them. So uh, yeah, all right. So ACEs, 10 of them are um, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, and then you've got emotional neglect, physical neglect, um, and then you have divorce or separation, um, an incarcerated relative, mental illness, there's a substance abuse, and I'm missing two of them. <laughs> mm. yeah, Google never gives you the full list right on the, the front page. I know, and I should know this because this is like the actual work that I do. So we might have to, we might have to figure this one out. But anyways, um, I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going to go to the website. That's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the website. I should know all of this by heart. This well, like... it's, it's a lot and you're only going to be dealing with certain ones this more is true. often. This is true. That is very true. I can, I can vouch for that for sure. Um, all right. Now I have them. <laughs> I had physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, and I had physical neglect, emotional neglect, said mental illness. Ah, there it was. Mother treated violently. And then uh, divorce or separation, incarcerated relative, and substance abuse. Okay, okay. So you only missed the one then? I only missed the one, and it was a long one. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we, we now know about uh, ACEs. Yeah. So can you tell me, um, so you're a doctor as as the fact that we call you Dr. G makes yes. sense. Yes. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what that information did for us as, you know, um, moving our understanding forward and what we can do with, with understanding that information? Yeah. So there's a couple of different directions that it's gone so far, which is great. So the first one is that it really went to the medical field, which is basically that, you know, we have positive stress, which is kind of like you know, we scrape our knee as a kid and an adult comes in and they're like, oh my gosh, you're going to be fine. No problem. And then our body inside kind of goes back to this normal homeostasis. Mm -hmm. And then we have tolerable stress, which is like something like um, we have a test coming up or you have a presentation, right? So it's just like a little bit more stress and positive, but you work with it, you get through it and it's not a big deal. And then there's toxic stress, which is where ACEs can come in, which is this idea that it's like a 
powerful stress overwhelm. There's no support of adults uh, for kids to come in and say, you're going to be fine. There's just constant, constant stress. Mm -hmm. And um, over time, as you can imagine, if you were stressed over time, all the time, your body just wears down. And so you've got, you know, things coming up with your immune system. So you're sick a lot more. We've got, we see a lot more of asthma. We see a lot more heart disease and cancers. So the way that that, that path to the medical field was really important for us to understand that ACEs actually cause negative health health outcomes over time. Mm-hmm. I, I have a question, um, question totally. for you about that. Yeah. Um, so I've read, like, there's a lot of different stuff that goes around this, but you mentioned immune systems. Yes. Does that include, or do we know yet, I guess is really the question I want to know. Do we know yet if that includes autoimmune illnesses later in the Great life? question. So I think it does, um, because what ends up happening is your hormones right so if we're talking about autoimmune we we usually have a conversation about epigenetics and hormones and so Mm -hmm. one of the things that you see a lot of times in the 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 aces and toxic stress is there's a high level of cortisol really high Mm -hmm. level of cortisol and then when we talk about cortisol and serotonin we get into conversations about um, thyroid disease hyperthyroidism hypothyroidism addison's disease things like that Mm -hmm. um so in terms of figuring out, you know, like what actually is going on um, for the actual like immune system. I think that's a great question for a medical doctor because I'm a psychologist. <laughs> I'm, I try to just <laughs> stick to the top level of, <laughs> of that conversation um, because I, I really don't know what research has been done in the medical. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. I just, I have a couple of illnesses that are sort of on the verge of autoimmune. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. hey, since you're on the topic, I was wondering. Yeah. Um, yeah. But okay, so so we've we've learned how to, um, to sort of treat it medically. So what else have we learned? Yeah, so the other direction <laughs> we've gone, thankfully, is in our other systems, like our school systems, which is great, right? So now oh. we've got teachers who are starting to take more of a social, emotional learning approach and curriculum and trying to say that, you know, um, a kid who's fidgety may not actually have ADHD. That's crazy to think about. Maybe the inattentiveness has to do with what's going on at home. And mm-hmm. thankfully, we've got, you know, spokespeople like Oprah and people who are having these really big conversations about it's not about what you're doing or what you did wrong. It's about what happened to you. And so mm-hmm. I think that thankfully, we've got some celebrities on board talking about this of like, you know, your body keeps the score and what's happened to you instead of like, I love why, how could you do all this stuff that's so wrong, right? Or mm. parents and shaming the parents, like the parents just don't know any better. So thankfully, um, yeah, school and social has been the other place. Our, our judicial system is getting there, right? But it's still quite broken. But we are now starting to talk about it, at least that a lot of people who are in prison whether it's youth or adults have gone through trauma and that's really what's brought them to you know to where they are and so we're at least having that conversation are there trauma-informed judges and trauma-informed <laughs> gels and no there's there's not right not yet not I yet hope that. but there is hope um because there are systems of rehabilitative justice around the world and um here in canada we're kind of in between where right. we're still very much uh punitive but it's it's not privatized, which which has some benefits to it and stuff. So, so I think yeah. there's hope. Is my point? Yeah, um, totally. Yes. And so you mentioned the body keeps the score, and I was actually going to ask you about a different book. If I don't know if you've yeah. seen it, it's called 
the sec- it's called something burnout the secret to unlocking the stress cycle oh okay i like um, it and one of the things that they talk about in that book and i'm so sorry author of that book i, I can't remember it i don't have it in front of me um but the one of the things that they talk about in that book it's two sisters um who wrote it together and they talked about how people often will deal with the stressors but not the stress like yeah. the the actual embodiment of stress in your body and you were talking about hormones and all that play in um, is there is there much happening in the psychology field looking at how we can break the physiological connection, you know, like like where we're having those physiological reactions that aren't being dealt with? Yeah, so psychology has always, at least since I've been in it, has always tried to make that mind-body connection of just like, hey, you're experiencing this stress in your mind, right? But you're also having these bodily reactions. Um, And then when you get a little bit further out from psychology and a little bit more into like the medical field, they are doing better at having these conversations of it being one integrated issue. Um, But there is still some separation from like this. You're feeling the stress in your mind and you just need to, you know, make a plan and (laughs) you just need to do these things. Right. But then when you do that and you get through your plan, you still have all this like residual like anxiety. Like Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, my gosh, my shoulders are still up here and I'm still feeling this in my throat and my throat and I still can't think you know straight and so like we're still seeing the residual parts of the body so i do think that what's happening in psychology now is that we're starting to have these conversations of how do we have conversations with other people outside of the psychology field like how do we talk to teachers how do we talk to principals how do we talk to medical field and judges and things like that so they can understand that the body behaviors that you might see are probably a function of what's happening in the mind so mm-hmm. that's just something to kind of think about well and that totally makes sense and i think like um and and of course i'm not a psychologist i'm just a i'm a, a lay person who's really interested in it yeah. um but like i look at a lot of things like i another example that i think okay sorry i i'm always like this people are used to it um <laughs> <laughs> i love i love it <laughs> But uh, the the question that I'm trying to get to at the end of this is I've started to view um, certain things, physical or not, as as symptoms or like mm-hmm. symptoms of of problems. So like for example, the I hate it I hate the word, but laziness, mm-hmm. the idea of laziness as as some moral defect as opposed to a symptom of you know, whether it's adverse childhood experiences or adverse adulthood experiences, you know, so can you talk a little bit on some of those symptoms that people view in a moral light as opposed to a symptomatic light? Yeah, I I will. Let's talk about laziness. I think that's like super important. Um, A lot of people who who see laziness don't see that there's a paralysis of perfection underneath of that, right? Like there are just some people who are just like, this, this project needs to be perfect, right? Like um, decorating the house for Christmas, for example. Mm-hmm. Like it needs to be perfect, right? And I can't do this without having this box. And if I don't have this box, I can't continue with the rest of it. And so what do we what do? We, do? we just don't do it. We just sit and we don't do it. So laziness can often be a paralysis of perfection. I think another one in terms of ACEs that people will see is like I said, inattentiveness and this like, fidgetiness and this like I need to you know I don't want to sit for too long or this has been uh, an awkward conversation and so I'm going to leave the conversation without <laughs> saying anything right and that is really um you know some people will be like oh it's just social anxiety and it's no it's it's not social anxiety it's really the fact that 
you're starting to feel in your body that there might be a saber-toothed tiger around the corner. Mm -hmm. And so triggers, exactly. So your heart's racing, you're starting to sweat, you're starting to kind of freak out. And rather than saying like, guys, I'm super aware of myself right now. And (laughs) I'm feeling like there's a saber-toothed tiger when I know there's really not. I'm just going to excuse myself. Like nobody has that conversation. (laughs) You're just like, okay, bye. And you leave, right? And so everybody sees this really socially awkward person. But a lot of times what's underneath of that is this uh, triggered and like overreactive system. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah I... So those are two that I think are really important and hyper arousal, but nobody really sees that as hyper arousal. So I think those are the two ones that like. Oh, super interesting. So like hyper arousal would normally be mistaken for thing- things like mania. Totally. Gotcha. Gotcha. Got totally it. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so because I've got. um very casually uh cptsd is what i was told okay um, which is the complex ptsd and yeah. uh and generalized anxiety disorder and what's really interesting is that almost everybody i know who has some form of ptsd also has an anxiety disorder absolutely um, yeah. Yeah. and and what i was gonna say that's really interesting about what you were just saying is so i am very like triggery it's frustrating that's neither here nor there um my my partner and i like we had to have that conversation but we couldn't have it in the moment you know For so sure. i'm like I'm like, there's going to be times where I'm just like super emotional and I won't look at you. I won't talk to you. And and you just need to know that like, I, I can't do anything. I'm paralyzed by the physiological reaction in the moment. And then yeah. I might be able to talk to you about what happened. Yeah. Yeah. But how cool that you were able to have that conversation, even if it's after the fact, because it gives you insight into yourself and then also gives your partner insight into your relationship and what that might mean and the expectations of of your partner when that happens right so maybe you had some expectations of like i expected you to do this or i expected (laughs) you to give me a big hug or something like that right and that your partner might be like what the heck you totally just (laughs) went offline on me how was i supposed to know (laughs) um and so it's important that you can realize that but you hit on something super important which is that a lot of people who do who are diagnosed with ptsd do have an anxiety disorder and they go absolutely they go hand in hand like 100 percent hand in hand so you're spot on yeah that's really interesting um like i i've i've been so i've been uh (laughs) I've had I had uh, addiction issues when I was young, um, and had a very wild uh, upbringing. Let's say you know there's a lot to it, um, and and so I, I'm very very interested in psychology. The way that I mean I do this show, obviously I'm very interested in this um, topic, and and that's one of the things that I've noticed is that there's a, a lot of those disorders, and I, I don't even like the word disorder. I like the the yeah. idea of like mental. It's mental injury, yes. not really illness. Yes, you know. Yeah. So, and I know that that's not, or I've never heard that term used, but I love it. Keep using it and I'm going to steal it. (laughs) Okay, perfect. (laughs) Um, But you know, like, like these, it just seems frustrating because it's like, there's different ways that the brain works. And, you know, like you mentioned ADHD. I hate that ADHD is called a disorder because the people I know who have ADHD can do things that I, well, I might have it, but I don't know. know. Who cares? Um, It doesn't matter to me. Um, But but the people I know who have severe ADHD, which I definitely don't have, can do things that I could never do. Totally. You know, like it's like they they shut down a part of their brain and and unlocked (laughs) another. Right. Yep. It's so cool. Um, Sorry, I got way off track. No, no, it's all good. All good. But uh, so anyways, what I'm getting at is that I think that 
people like to think linearly and pe- people yeah. like to put things in little boxes. Mm-hmm. And even me, who is somewhat educated on the subject, is like, well, this is my anxiety. And, mm-hmm. you know, or this is my PTSD. It, it couldn't be both. They couldn't be the same thing with different parts of it sec- sectioned out, you know? Right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like, what happens if they're both happening at the same time? Like, what does that say about you? Are you a hot mess all of a sudden because you're, you've got two of them going on at the same time, right? And so we do try to compartmentalize, uh, this is the stress and it's not toxic because it's not that bad, right? Or, or it's not getting me to like this point where I need to call and have meds or I'm seeing somebody. We forget that you can experience toxic stress and have it be super invasive and pervasive but not you yourself don't feel like there's an issue to it Mm. and so i think that what you're touching on and saying that we forget how complex we really are we really just forget that and so thinking linear keeps us safe because it it allows us to have some sort of control (laughs) over the world and we can somehow put some things into boxes and some things into others and uh, we make sense of it but the truth of the matter is we're supposed to be confused. I think that's the (laughs) idea is we're supposed to kind of go through life confused because it keeps us curious. If at any point we're able to say this person has ADHD, this person has PTSD, and this person has has, um, complex PTSD, like have we done ourselves a serious disservice because all of a sudden now we're not curious about your experience. I'm not curious about you and what goes on with you as somebody who has CPTSD and this person who just has anxiety because I've already put you in a bucket. I've already got it figured out myself. So if I don't go through life confused, um, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to myself and the rest of the people that may come in my path. That that totally makes sense. And it also totally makes sense that our brains are like, you know what? I like this better. This I like better. the way you're thinking better. <laughs> yeah. Because that's true in a lot of areas, not even just the humanity yeah. side of it. Yeah. You know, um, morality. I have discovered like, so I used to be pretty religious and now I'm not religious. And as I sort of washed away those religions and religious ideas, I've come to the point where it's like I have to decide on an individual basis every single time if something is moral or if it's something that's maybe less ethical like like let's say I buy non-organic apples or something where it's like you know like there's there's an ethical reason to buy to do something better I have to decide how much does that really weigh you know and 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 so now instead of it being like I go to a book and it tells me what to do it tells me what matters I am now having to unpack all of these different ideas and decide what matters and you get decision fatigue and stuff, but it's so worth it. Yep. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, So on to, sorry, I I know I got, I get way off track. That's kind of. Oh, it's awesome. There's no track. Um, And then, yeah. So the other, the other thing you mentioned, I'm so sorry, it's wellness. Yeah, domains of wellness. Domains of wellness. Yeah. I was wellness paths. <laughs> hey, well, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Can I guess what that means? Because I've never heard no. the term. So I yeah. think domains of wellness is just like, you know, like your personal life, your relationship life, things like that. Yep, you got it. Nice. They're domains. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. So um, the domains of wellness were really researched and uh, brought to life after we kind of looked at all of these ACEs and saw that there are some serious health outcomes that can come from these if they're left untreated mm-hmm. to the point where uh, left untreated, there's like a 20 year expected life expectancy difference. Whoa. I know, that's crazy. That, every every time I say that stat, I just stop for a minute because I'm like, wow. Yeah, if you had huge. ACEs left untreated, 
you could die at 60 while the rest of your friends are going to live till they're 80. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. That's crazy. And it, you didn't put, like, it's not because of a substance. It's not, like, directly related to something. It's related to all of these different experiences that you might have, like, you know, had that, encountered. It's crazy. That is. Um, the domains of wellness came from that conversation of just, like, well, what can we do? Yeah, what, and so, then? Yeah. <laughs> what are we supposed to do? So um, there's a, you know, a whole bunch of research backed by it, but the seven of them are, um, like you just said, supportive relationships. So that really has to do with your, um, well, we can talk about supportive relationships because it looks, it looks different for every person. And I, and I know for kids, we talk about a supportive adult, which can be a caregiver, a teacher, you know, mm-hmm. anyone, but for supportive relationships, um, the domains of wellness are applicable to adults as well. So we'll, yeah. I can talk about that. So supportive relationships, nutrition, sleep, exercise, mindfulness, mental health, and nature. Oh. So when we are kids and we hope that we have all this stuff, most of the time we get it from our, you know, caring adults in our in our lives. But if we don't have that, those kids have to do that on their own, right? They have to put themselves to sleep. They have to wake up in the morning because their parents um, have slept through. Maybe they have one that's incarcerated. And so they're really having to care for themselves and maybe they don't get breakfast, right? Or maybe they're working with food instability um, or food insecurity and they don't have breakfast. And the three meals that they get a day are at school. Um, yeah, so those are, those are ways that kids can come up against the domains of wellness and not having a caring or supportive adult make it super difficult to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, as adults, you can see how some of this could be super helpful, um, but how we also ignore it a lot of the time. So supportive relationships is one of the ones that like we typically always have as adults. We've, mm-hmm. most of us at this point have a friend. Right? Yeah. Just like, even if it's just one, it's okay. <laughs> like we have a friend um, or we have colleagues or something, but we have one supportive relationship that we could probably go to and just be like, this is not our right. This is mm-hmm. not okay. Right. Um, I think nutrition is where we get caught up as adults. And a lot of times that really has to do with our prefrontal cortex that has been offline for many times, many years. So the prefrontal cortex is responsible for making good decisions. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the one that says, Hey, Brie, you should have a salad instead of having pretzels because they're better for you. Even though you're really stressed and you want to just have a bag of pretzels, you should really have a salad. Well, when your prefrontal cortex is offline and it goes offline when it when it's stressed. So when your prefrontal cortex is like freaking out about whether you should run or stay put or just be like completely still or try to make friends with the saber tooth tiger that's your prefrontal cortex trying to figure out like, what should I do with all of this stress? It mm-hmm. cannot make a decision then. Yeah. It's analysis what you paralysis. Exactly. It's like already busy. So it's offline and there's no way that you, if given, if you have pretzels in front of you, you will grab those pretzels. There's no way that your prefrontal cortex can come back online and say, I'm super, super, duper, duper stressed. And I'm going to make myself nice. <laughs> Like that just doesn't happen, right? Yeah. Well, and that's one of the last parts of the brain to develop, right? So kids don't even have that piece. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really up to the adults to come in and say and make that decision. So Yeah. And if we're stressed, then we're not able to. So we really need to be addressing our stress so that we can make better decisions. That makes sense. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. So what you just touched on was parenting with ACEs, which is like a whole, probably could be a whole other podcast, but really 
what that comes down to is if you yourself has have had aces as a child maybe you're maybe not you've worked with that really doesn't mm, it matters a little bit but also if you have children and then you're not parenting your children but you've had aces it can be really difficult because your patient level patients levels are a little bit lower your tolerance um can be a little bit lower you probably find yourself getting more reactive a little bit more upset than some other parents you don't have that that bandwidth like we just like you just mentioned to just like have a moment to pick the right foods for your kids you're just like whatever Right? And you just like, I don't know how many times I've done that in a stressful moment where I'm just like, we're getting donuts for breakfast. <laughs> uh, and it's because my stress level is off the hook. And so that happens, um, that happens, you know, frequently. Um, and sometimes it doesn't happen as frequently, but I notice that as an adult who's, I've had a fair amount of, of work with my aces, but it still pops up and there's still so much stress that can come around it. Like you said, when you have a wild upbringing, there's just some stuff that comes up. So, yeah. so yeah, that prefrontal cortex is really the responsibility of an adult when you're a child, but when you're old enough to be making the decisions of, of what to eat and when to, you know, take a break and those types of things. Um, if you haven't had practice doing it and you're still stressed, it's going to be really difficult. Um, yeah. I have a question that you might not know the answer to because it might yeah. be a medical doctor thing. Yeah. But when we talk about stress, so obviously we know about things like um, someone cut you off or there's a, a saber tooth tiger. Yeah. You know, we know about those kinds of uh, psychological stress. When it comes to stress from things like like stressors on your body. Like, say you mm -hmm. worked way too hard a day at work physically. Like maybe you're a person who hauls cement. I don't think that's a job, but maybe you're a person who hauls cement. Um, yeah. <laughs> or um, or maybe, maybe, or someone who has chronic pain disorders and stuff like yeah. that. I guess my question is, is it basically all the same once it gets in the body as far as stress goes? Because I notice that I get extremely irritable when I'm in a lot of pain. Hmm. So I'm wondering... I'm just that wondering is if you such know. a good question. Oh. <laughs> I do wonder. I wonder if our body knows the difference as to whether I would imagine this is just a theory. I would imagine <laughs> that your body knows the difference because of the pain, the pain receptors are probably activated in and in, in other psychological ones, maybe not. So maybe your body knows the difference in that sense. But I wonder by the time you're by the time it I'm acting like there's like a whole like journey that gets to your mind. There's probably yeah. not. But <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining that once it gets to your mind, if your mind is like doesn't understand whether it was a saber tooth tiger or whether you were actually in pain. I don't know. That's a really good question. Actually, what are your thoughts about it? Well, I, I, so I'm looking at a couple of different things. So one thing, and this is going to maybe sound obscure at first, but so I used to cut myself when I was a kid, da, 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 yeah. you know, lots of people did. Yeah. Um, and when I learned to get out of that, one of the things that I learned about was about how, you know, um, the pain, uh, drugs that your body mm -hmm. creates to send there are effective on your emotional pain as well as your physical pain. Got it. Okay. So given that then, yes, because you're probably, yes, because what's probably happening is the same um, hormones that would fire if you're like dealing with pain would probably fire if you were dealing with emotional pain. Oh my gosh, I was scared. <laughs> but it would fire if you had emotional pain. So you're probably, you're probably onto something that it's probably, you're probably right. It's actually probably the same hormone, whether you've yeah. been injured or psychologically 
injured. Yeah, yeah. I just try to just try to figure out. I mean, it doesn't really matter. But I think that that's an interesting thought where, you know, your body translates things surprisingly it's like really, like yeah. yeah like there's some things that it'll translate the same and then that we think of super distinct and then i think there's things that we think of as like basically the same that it'll that'll deal yeah. with completely differently totally i think yeah i think you're right yeah um but anyways i'm <laughs> i'm wondering um <clears throat> about the uh domains of wellness yeah what i think is really interesting and possibly cool and maybe you can you can clarify for me um is that Domains of wellness seems like it's really starting to move into the wellness model um, where, you know, we've got the illness model and the wellness model. It seems like it's, you know, obviously the ACEs is in the illness model. That's in the or injury model, whatever you want to call it. Let's call it injury. Um, But that's in the injury (laughs) model. And then you've got the domains of wellness, which is treatment. But the reality is that it doesn't have to be treatment. That's also maintenance for people who don't need treatment. Absolutely. Right. And you start moving into the wellness model. And that's really cool because I think that a lot of times those two models end up being very distinct. Mm-hmm. The, the, the treatment and the let's get it even better. Let's preventative maintenance, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think what you're bringing up is something that I always come up against, too, which is that people feel like healing is a um, it's a destination. And, and that it's once you get there, you get there and you just know when you get there. And the truth of the matter is it's not, it's a, it's a lifestyle, right? Healing is a lifestyle because you will be hurt again. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just like, like hopefully if you experience um, sexual abuse as a child, hopefully as an adult, you don't experience it again, right? Like that's not the type of you will be hurt again that I'm going for, right? But mm-hmm. I, I do know that if, if, if you were lied to as a child, you'll be lied to again as an adult. Mm-hmm. If that happens, right? And that injury happens and... And maybe if you had chronic pain as a child, you may still be dealing with chronic pain as an adult. And so that happens. So the healing doesn't just come like when you've worked through it and you're like, okay, that feels better. Like it's it's gonna be, in my opinion, it's a continuous process. And so the wellness, the wellness, like you said, going from injury into wellness model, the wellness model, I, I, I want people to be really careful about having, treating it as a destination is that, once I've gone out of the injury, I can now move into the, to the like, like it's going to happen. You're going to go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so my hope is that when people have these domains of wellness that, like you said, it is definitely can be used to mitigate those effects of toxic stress, but also as maintenance, like you said, just as like a common, you know, seven ways to live a decent life. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's like a little bit like Maslow's hierarchy where it's, it's a, it's something to look at that gives you information about about uh, holisticness. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, like when I look at the injury or, I mean, a lot of people call it the illness model. That's why it's in my brain. But when I look at that model, I, I always think of it, it's like, you know, um, the treatment side is for getting better. And the wellness slash maintenance side is for when you need to get even better, you mm-hmm. know, and, and mm-hmm. both are relevant at different points in anybody's life. You know, there are times where, you know, like maybe you had a divorce or like you said, you know, maybe you weren't sexually assaulted again in adulthood, but maybe you were triggered and reminded of that sexual assault and all of that progress you made is now, (laughs) you know, it's not gone, but you're, you're, it feels like you're starting from scratch. So, so yeah, the treatment is for when you need to get better. The maintenance is for when you want to get even better. But I say when and not if, because both are going to be relevant. Both are going to be relevant. Beautifully said. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love these conversations so much. Me too. Me too. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the other domain of wellness that I wanted to talk about or ask you about 
was nature. So does mm-hmm. that mean just like being outside or yeah, like, that word is so vast. It covers I know. so much. <laughs> I know. It really is. Um, so the thing with nature is really about lowering your cortisol levels. That's really kind of what it boils down to. And so um, what we find is that the more likely that you can be outside, the more time you can spend outside, let's say that, um, you're more likely to potentially be physically active. So there's a chance that if you go outside, you're walking around outside or you're going for a hike outside. We do know that people go outside just to sit and we do get totally fine. But we also know that if that is happening, there's nerve growth happening in the hippocampus, which is that part of your brain that's associated with memory and thinking. And so when you're outside, um, that growth is happening. And we know that because that growth is happening, you're now going to potentially have like a little bit better memory over time Mm. because your cortisol levels are dropping as well. So your stress Mm. levels are dropping. So you're really able to like engage with your senses, which is something that you don't really get to do as much if you're inside versus when you're outside. So Mm -hmm. when you're engaging with your senses outside, you've got all five of them that are going and firing off. Hopefully, you know, you can look at new bugs, you've got flowers, you can hear the birds, whatever it might be. And and if you're in a city, you hear the cars, you hear the sirens, you hear this, you know, you see the steam coming up. Like nature doesn't have to be in the middle of nowhere. I think that's like the big important part because people feel very pressured when you talk about going out in nature and I really want to be cognizant of that that it doesn't take a trip to Mexico or a trip to you don't have to go you know, in like you're in Canada yeah like you don't <laughs> need to go all the way to Vancouver or the middle of right you just need to get fresh air is really what it comes down fresh to. air and probably air. vitamin d vitamin d and it's a really it's a it's a break from the walls too right like when you're Mm -hmm. indoors it's a break from actual walls where you can go outside you feel the scent you feel you feel things you feel the wind you feel the the sun you feel the steam you feel the rain whatever it is and so we just want to get people connected again to Mm -hmm. their senses because once you can connect to your senses, those are like tactile things. You can start to do a little bit more deeper work in that mindfulness domain of like, now I can actually sense I'm feeling anxious. I sense this in my shoulders or I'm sensing this in my stomach. So we just want to get people engaged in their senses again. That's that's the goal of nature. Um, yeah. And it also helps you get grounded, which is good. Exactly. Um, yeah. But okay. So I, I have a question that might be difficult to answer and I'm going to do my best to phrase it in a way that makes it clear what I'm asking but I look at these domains of wellness okay I look at the nutrition I look at the exercise I look at the nature um not nature doesn't apply to this for me but nutrition and exercise lots of trauma around those concepts um for me personally I think for a lot of people a lot of trauma a lot of shame a lot of garbage yeah so um Nutrition is 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 a really both nutrition and exercise are really really common, um, where you know people have been shamed because they don't exercise enough or they don't exercise right, or obviously the same thing with eating. You eat too much. You don't eat right. You don't eat the right times. You know you don't eat at the right temperature. Like there's an amazing number of social rules, quote unquote, around those two ideas. Yeah. And so for me personally, like if I'm like I'm gonna eat a salad, then I start thinking about all of that stuff, and that stress comes back up. Yeah. 
So how do you achieve balance where you're improving that area or how would you recommend people achieve balance where you're improving these areas without without triggering all of that shame and nonsense that you know yeah. all those lies basically yeah. that we were told yeah totally um i would recommend bundling it with a supportive relationship right so if you have um and it's different than an accountability buddy we all know one of those we have that mm -hmm. that's fine right um but if you okay so we've both been through we've both had addictions right we've both okay. been through some sort of treatment and i know that if i go back into eating sugar my mind loves sugar my body loves sugar and i truly do feel like I battled a sugar addiction. But what happened when I started to not do is I had a buddy. I had my mom who was like tell, asking me every day, like, how's it going? How's the eating thing going? Like, how is it? What's it feel like? What would you say it's closest to? I want to try it out. What do you recommend? You know, so I had a supportive relationship buddied with that uh, nutrition domain. So I didn't come at it alone. So I wasn't eating a salad by myself feeling like even if I was by myself, that's fine. But if I wasn't eating a salad being like, Oh my gosh, you remember that time in eighth grade where it was terrible and people bullied you for being too fat and you became bulimic. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was awesome, <laughs> right? Exactly what my brain does. <laughs> yeah. So I had, I instead, because I had a supportive relationship with my mom, I knew that if those things up, I could call her or I could text her and be like, had a great salad and also went all the way back to memory lane and that part sucked for dessert, right? So you, <laughs> you have a buddy that I think is important and it's not, it's different, like I said, than an accountability buddy who's sitting there saying like, it you feels like they're eat, judging you. Right, right. You didn't eat <laughs> breakfast, right? Like you, you, you for sure, like you didn't eat lunch either, right? That was, that was a part of our plan, right? You didn't do that. So the, the, the supportive relationship is really just there to support you and whatever that means for you, that's what that supportive relationship will show up as. If it's calling you and asking you, did you eat lunch? Maybe it is. Maybe it's actually calling you and saying like, um, you know, what you, how was breakfast? Like, or something, you know, right? So whatever that supportive relationship means for you. Um, with the exercise, I bundle that one with uh, nature because I um, I know that if I at least go outside and go for a walk, like, am I getting like 30 minutes or 45 minutes of vigor vigorous exercise in? No, but I did go outside and I did go for a walk and my cortisol levels are lower. My heart rate did go up a little bit and I did show myself that I'm worthy of good you know movement. like exercise or movement or something right exactly so i think with adults you have to bundle it with with the supportive relationship or going outside or something because the two of them alone one there's way too much information out there there's way yes. too much misinformation out there <laughs> that's like nobody in their right mind does like yoga for seven days straight on top of training for a marathon on top of not eating lunch like nobody does and if they do like i think there's something to be said for the amount of privilege that comes with that much free time yes, uh, yes. <laughs> like exactly. I'm, not, I'm not always talking about privilege but in that case like you know if you have enough yeah. free time like i like it like wim hof super impressive so cool also not only his body is unique but also unique in the opportunity to get yeah. to that point because to most people there. cannot yes. afford that much time 
No, you're absolutely right. And the same thing goes for nature. That is also a privilege and I recognize that. So, you know, living in San Francisco, it is a privilege to be able to go to, um, you know, Monterey or Fisherman's War. Exactly. Like that is a privilege to be able to get out and go do those things. But what is not a privilege and which comes mostly for everybody is just being able to step outside your door unless, of course, you're incarcerated. But still, even the incarcerated get, I don't know, short, super short, not enough time outside. So Mm -hmm. that's what I start to think about. It's like even people who are in prison get time outside. That has to mean something like that's important. I need to do it for my for my for them. I need to do it for them because they would probably love to be outside at this moment without anybody and i'm gonna do it for them that's that totally makes sense and i think one of the things that you just said really is is a part answer to my question too um which is kind of like getting to know what matters to you and using that as a motivating tool yes and then i think the other piece um for me at least and maybe this is because my chronic illness is forgiving myself if i'm not perfect totally yes <laughs> that should be like an eighth domain is self-forgiveness <laughs> but it's super true um especially if you've gone through trauma especially if you're a survivor of aces there is constant i don't know if it's really necessarily self-doubt there's always a conversation that doesn't go so well with yourself like there will mm. always be that even if you've done the best work you really feel like you're healing you're doing great stuff there's just going to be a moment that comes up where you're like, I didn't do that great today. Today was just really not one of my best days. And you have to be able to have that conversation, but also be really tender with yourself because you are complex. You are layered. You are all of these things that you're supposed to be, and they're not supposed to be perfect. It's not supposed to be like that. So Yeah. Well, and there's, oh, I could, I could go on and on about um you know the amazing incredible ability humans have to define words how we want so you know you could change perfect to yeah you know to mean exactly as you are yes and and that goes a real long way but that's that's a whole other thing um before we move on to our super fun game can you please tell people where they can reach you how they can how they can hear more yeah so uh, i do have my website which is drgslab.com um, and where I, where I talk a little bit more about the actual work that I get to do. And then, um, I'm on LinkedIn, Dr. G, um, this is the best way to find me. So absolutely reach out, come find me. Um, this has been a lot of fun. I'm excited for this game. I'm excited too. And I also have had a lot of fun, um, just, just chatting. This has been so much fun. Uh, okay. So you're going to be guessing Irish slang according to irelandbeforeyoudie.com. Um, (laughs) Okay. So, uh, yeah, and if I pronounce anything wrong, just know that I'm not Irish. Um, Done. <laughs> all right, so what does it mean when someone says bucketing down? Oh, bucketing down. Um, I'm going to guess you're going to sleep. Oh, it means raining really hard. Oh, of course it does. It's raining buckets. Yeah, it's similar. I was like, I'm not sure about Gosh. this one. Okay. Um, okay, so what does crack mean? And to t- it's spelled C-R-A-I-C, crack. Okay. Um, is it cheese? It's (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know why, but that reminds me of like m this food my mom used to make. She called it something crack. Um, <laughs> it, uh, no, it's fun gossips and goings on. <laughs> so you would say like, what's the crack? Or it was great crack last night. Dang. Which of I course, mean... yeah, of course, like to us as like, so my addiction was crack. It happened to have been. Um, so so to, I know that like crack to a North American means a very specific, very thing. specific thing, and <laughs> does not cannot be substituted with cheese either. So yeah. all right. Well, yeah, my, I want to say it was Christmas crack, and it involved crackers. Maybe I don't know. I don't really okay. know the details of, of my okay. mom's cooking. Um, okay, what's a culchi? Culchi. Uh, is it um, a purse? Not even similar, no. Um, <laughs> it's a person from a rural or agricultural area. So I'm guessing it comes from oh, agriculture. Oh, culture. Yeah. Um, so she's a culture originally, is the, okay. the sentence that it's given us. All right. Um, Delira and Ixira. And apparently this is specific to Dublin. Okay. Dublin. Mm. Can I hear it in a sentence? Or will that give Ooh. it away? Are you Delira and Ixira about it? Are you excited? Does it mean excited? Delighted and excited, yeah. I'm delighted and excited. I love that. Delira and Ixira. Yeah. It's awesome. All right. So we're going to do, I think, two more because I just randomly pick a number at some point okay. during the game. Okay. Um, okay. These are all words that we use. I know what a floozy is. Um, okay. Yeah. So what's it? Okay. Fluthered. Oh, fluttered. Fluttered. Um, like, fluttered. Yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. Wow. Um, drunk. Yes, very drunk. <laughs> Shut Indeed. up! You got ah, it, yeah. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Solid. <laughs> All right, so last one. I hope it's good. We will see. Oh, okay. It's medium. What okay. does hames mean? Hames. Hmm. Um... I'm going to say it's your boxers. Oh, it's not, but I can see where you got that. <laughs> it's a complete mess. So maybe, I mean, depending on your boxers. Yeah, I don't um, know. <laughs> but it, means, it says, I made a complete hames of that work. Got it. Okay, yeah, well, I, I made a complete hames of this game, so. <laughs> I loved it. I think you did fantastic. <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised how few people get more than one. Yeah, um, well, yeah, it's a different part of culture. Like you're supposed to learn culture, but not slang. You nobody teaches you slang unless you actually unless you culture, go there so. and, or date someone from there or right. something. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, so uh, before we go, is there anything that you wanted to say? Thank or, you so much. Yeah. This has just been great, and I I love having this conversation. And so I hope that um, I hope it was helpful for anybody out there. This is a great conversation. So thank you. Thank you so much. This has been just, uh, I've had so much fun and I think that it is going to be helpful for people, but I mean, I don't know. It was helpful for me. So at the Perfect. very least one person. <laughs> it's the two uh, of us. It's really all that matters. <laughs> and uh, so don't forget to like, su subscribe. And I'm, I'm so bad at this. I mean, come on, you guys, you can review or whatever you want to do. I, I'm not going to, I'm bad at that whole YouTuber thing. Anyways, <laughs> um, now that that's out of the way to my audience, I love you. Bye. If you're like me and you hate the grind of finding new bands but love when you find them, I have a recommendation for you. After Dark is sponsoring today's show, and they are fantastic. So if you're anything like me, go check them out. Check out Colors is probably the first one I'll recommend. After that, my second favorite's probably Breakaway. 
Highly recommend them. Spotify After Dark.